0: Welcome to the Church Basement Podcast. Today's topic is some Lutheran lingo. Grab a cup of coffee or tea, strap on those running shoes, or pick up your knitting needles or crochet hook and join us. Let us introduce ourselves. I'm Pastor Amanda Zensalo and I serve as the pastor of Central Lutheran Church in Northeast Portland, Oregon.
1: And I'm Don Miller, a member here at Central and the producer of the podcast. Now, Lutheran lingo. I'm the one who kind of came up with this because yeah. it always rattles around in my head when you say certain phrases. <laughs> the two we're most going to talk about today—if we get to others, we will. Otherwise, we'll have another podcast another time. Yep, is in with and under. Okay, and then both and.
0: Yes. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Which one do you want to start with? Let's start with in with and under. Okay. When did you hear this the first time?
1: In, within, and under is one of those phrases must have come up when I was looking at becoming a Lutheran, having had a Catholic background. Mm. And I can't remember if it's something that my um, priest had brought up or if it was something that the pastor at the Lutheran church where I was doing the, you're getting married, here is your whatever. (laughs) And... It was specific to communion as uh-huh. it should be, because we're talking about the communion wafers and the bread uh-huh. or whatever you happen to be using, yeah. does it actually turn into body and blood, or is it just wine and bread? Uh-huh, so for the Catholics, of course, it's changing, yep, it is the thing. It's very special, and Big, fancy it word. means a lot.
0: Transubstantiation.
1: Yes, which still always brings Calvin and Hobbes and transmogrify into my head, <laughs> which is not the same thing. Not the same. However, the Lutherans have a slightly different take on that. We do. I don't want to use the term mamby-pamby, <laughs> but, but I don't know a better term. term, so I'm going to use it. It's like, well, it's not really it. It's... On, over, in, out, around-ish. <laughs> it's in, with, and under. Right? <laughs> yep. You got it. Who came up with that?
0: Martin Luther. Well, of course. <laughs> and where was he going with that? So the big conversation around the essence of communion really, really, really mattered in the Middle Ages. mm mm-hmm. They weren't giving... Communion in both kinds to people at the time, mm. which means that you would only get the bread; you wouldn't get the wine because you might spill it, or you know. It, really, I yeah. had no idea it was split. Yeah, you wouldn't ever touch it. They would oh, put the it on your tongue. Put it on your tongue for you, right? Because you were unworthy to really touch it, and. So, oh, that whole... is fascinating
1: because I do remember people taking it by tongue when I was a kid, and I'm like, it oh, oh, freaks weird, me out. Right? Totally.
0: And so, it's that whole understanding of the bread and the wine becoming Christ, and that transubstantiation understanding of it was really, really, really huge at the time. Now, as Martin was tearing apart the walls and breaking down barriers and saying, the priesthood did not matter as much that there's a priesthood of all believers and all people are worthy of receiving communion in both kinds. And that kind of a piece, the piety around communion, he was kind of bringing that down to a different level and did not believe in the transubstantiation and still believed that there's something about communion that is fully mysterious and fully difficult to understand and that it does change somehow. By okay. being present and having the intentional words spoken over it, by being used in the sacramental and holy way, that the bread and the wine become something more than just bread and wine. Mm-hmm. We're not doing this as only a memory piece. Right? There's something that happens that is sacred and holy in gathering and remembering and saying the words in the night in which he was betrayed, Mm -hmm. right? There's something about that that calls the Holy Spirit, that calls the divine to be present in, with, and under the bread and the wine. So it's like you're infusing it with the Holy
1: Spirit instead of just outright changing it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. To a completely
1: different substance.
0: Right. And so when we look at it that way then, the Episcopalian tradition, the Catholic tradition— Everything needs to be consumed by sundown. Oh, by sundown. So you can still use it for the next service? Right, but it has to be consumed by sundown because it has been changed. It's been transubstantiated, right? It's changed into the body and blood of Christ. And so everything gets consumed that has been blessed.
1: That is funny because I do remember seeing people having to quaff. Right. You down the rest of the wine. Which as a kid... I found fascinating, and I thought it was kind of exciting. Now, as a mom, all I can think of is cold flu season. You're <laughs> killing me. <laughs> you don't want to do that.
0: <laughs> I think there's less worry about germ in that, and more concern about like when you have an alcoholic priest. Yeah. It's, well, it's not helpful that they have to down an entire glass of manischewitz of per service, and you don't want to have not enough. What are you gonna do? Right. In our tradition, because the holiness gets infused in the presence of the community and in the being present around the table together, when the elements are finished, when the service is over, we can return those elements to the earth. We don't have to actually consume them all on that day. We can take and put them outside. We can pour it into the ground. We can... You can't just save it for later? You can... I there's mean, it, no, there's no like lightning that's gonna, there's no mischief managed. There's no mischief managed. There's no, there's no lightning that's going to strike you. Okay. And to be respectful of the holiness, it's nice to. Sure. Return it to the earth or to share it out and have people eat it or those kinds of pieces. Okay. It doesn't all have to be eaten or drank by a human person. Okay. And the idea of this, the holiness being in, with, and under, is that kind of idea, this infusion, this within the bread and with the bread and wine and under it somehow, like Mm -hmm. in all ways. Kind of that Celtic blessing idea, where a Celtic blessing often talks about Christ in front of and behind, to the right and to the left, above and below. Okay. Like a fully encompassing, around three dimension of an individual. It's that kind of understanding that the bread and the wine, it's more than just bread and wine, and all around it, there is a holiness to that. How do you explain it to someone who isn't necessarily churchy-churched? And I could get in a lot of trouble for putting it this way, but if I think of something like the apple pie that my mom made when I went home, okay, and the way in which she pours herself into making that, and the, the generations that come into making that pie crust and then the gathering around the table, that pie becomes holy. Okay. Right? There's something that is holy about that. Not because there's been any prayer literally infused into the pie. Or the pie has changed into something. Or the pie has changed into something. But because of the history, because of the gathering of the people, because of the rituals of the action that pie becomes holy and sacred. And at a whole 10 steps higher level, that's what happens at the communion table. Okay, And it's really hard to describe. And I think that that's one of the things Lutherans are really bad about talking about the Holy Spirit. And yet we're really good at living in the mystery of the Holy Spirit. Okay. Right. We don't know how to talk about it. We don't know how to explain it. And at the same time, we come up with things like, in, with, and under, the bread and the wine. Mm -hmm. Christ truly abides, right? Because it's a Holy Spirit thing. We don't really actually get it, and we're not going to get it. And at the end of the day, I think part of the beauty of the Lutheran theology that comes out in some of our lingo is that we're not going to get it. That there's going to be a little bit of mystery about this, and not the kind of mystery that is transubstantiation, but just that infusion of holiness. Mm-hmm.
1: And that's okay.
0: And that's okay. Is in, with, and under
1: as a phrase only used with the communion, or is there some other aspect that it's also applied to?
0: It's specifically referencing part of the confessions that Martin Luther wrote about our understanding of communion in response to the Catholic Church. And Martin Luther and the apologists, so Melanchthon, So the church establishers of the confessions, they wrote that. That is in our confession book. Okay. in our understanding of what communion is. It was in response to the Catholic Church at the time saying that you don't believe in transubstantiation. You don't see communion as holy. How do you even think that... God and Jesus are present in that, and Melanchthon and Luther wrote back this piece. And so the in, with, and under phrasing comes out of those particular documents. Okay. And it's specifically regarding communion. All right. Excellent.
1: Okay, then the second one is both and. And I'm not even sure if this is so much Lutheran lingo or if this is Pastor Amanda lingo, (laughs) but this is one that I have noticed that when I ask you certain questions— that you think is going to be either or, it always ends up as a both and. <laughs> so can you tell me what are
0: the roots of the both and? Yes. I don't know if this is specifically Lutheran lingo or not myself. It is certainly my lingo. Well, I have adopted it a few times, so I'm it's, just going to throw that out there too. It's great, right? So you have this kind of dynamic in our world of either or. hmm and what I love is that pick a side, make a choice. Right. Right. Don't sit in the middle of the fence. No. Like black and white, right? And I love Lutheran theology because we get to live in the gray.
1: And that's I, where it's coming from. That's then. where it's
0: coming from. And we don't often say either ors. We Lutherans often talk about things in a both and kind of way. So one of the phrases that it it really harks back to is simul justus et peccator, simultaneously. Oh, Latin. He Latin. S- <laughs> <He> Slap <laughs> me in the face with <laughs> that one. I know. So simultaneously saint and sinner. Okay. Right? So Martin wrote, again, Martin Luther wrote about how we are both and of these things. We are both saints created beloved of God and created good and deeply and inherently good. And we are sinners. We are those who have failed. And we will always fail. And we will always get it wrong. And that we are both of these things simultaneously. We are not either a saint or a sinner. We are both and.
1: Mm -hmm. You can aspire to be the saint, but the sinner is going to be there whether you want it to or not.
0: And in some ways, Martin had this wonderful phrase where he said, sin boldly. (laughs) and, And the rest of that phrase is important I once said that phrase in front of a whole room full of third and fourth grade students, and it was a mixed group, and there were some Baptists in the room, and wow, did that not go over the same way with that crowd. But I had a lot of explaining to parents to do as soon as we released the kids to go into Vacation Bible School. But we're, we're talking like, sin boldly so that you may rely upon grace more boldly still. Okay. Okay. So when you make your mistakes, when you are that sinner, when you have failed, notice that, sin boldly, like know how much you buggered that up. Mm -hmm. And then you know even more so how much you rely upon God's grace and what a gift God's grace is, what a tremendous and extraordinary thing is that God sees you as a saint in the same moment that you are such a sinner, that you miss the mark so greatly that God can still love you and still holds you. And so it's that juxtaposition, it's that tension. And the way that I came to explain that to myself going through seminary and all Mm -hmm. those is to say it's a both and thing. It's not that you are unworthy or loved. You are both, yep, totally unworthy and totally
1: loved. So it's not the cop-out that it can sometimes seem to be.
0: I mean, I think people it's can more use it cl- that way. Well,
1: yeah, but the spirit of the thing is the inclusivity. It is the, yeah. it is the gray, as you were talking yeah. about.
0: And when we encourage ourselves to be in that both and rather than either or, I think it can be harder. Oh, totally. Because it's messier. Right. It's a lot messier to hold two things in tension rather than to let go of one and claim only one thing. So I am both a really good shot with a gun and know how to handle myself around firearms. Uh Uh-huh. And I am someone who believes in sensible gun control. Okay. Right. I am both of those things. Now I could, because it feels really disconcerting Try to abandon the fact that I have enjoyed target practice in my history and have handled many different firearms and know my way around a gun. I could ignore that. I could cut that part of myself out and just focus on gun control in our current context. Which is what it seems like the choice is. Right. Or I could completely avoid the conversation of gun control because I know my way around a firearm. And my family has deep roots with firearms. And so I could completely avoid the conversation. Or, right?
1: Yeah. I
0: can step into both of those things holding intention that, yeah, I have done these things and I have participated in this gun culture. And I think that we need more sensible gun control laws.
1: The piece that seems to be missing for us today I don't know if it's necessarily a Lutheran thing, if it's a society thing. The both and, being able to look at both sides and have a discussion about it instead of the either or. And you have to pick one or the other. And you can't go down the middle.
0: Sometimes, though, while holding that both and tension, you still got to come down strong on one side. Well, yeah. Yeah. Right. Like, I mean, I don't think that we can say, well, we should all just be willing to hear both sides and you can be a white supremacist and a good person. But it starts to encourage a dialogue. Right. Right? At some point, you have to say the line of this activity is not God's intention for the world. Mm -hmm. You are both simultaneously saint and sinner. Yep. And right now I'm seeing a lot of your sinner, not so much of your saint. And I'm going to hold you accountable to societal norms and to guidelines that God has set to bring us to God's creation, the understanding of what I call God's kingdom, Mm -hmm. right, where all have enough and no one has too much and this violence will cease and those kinds of pieces. Mm -hmm. And so while both and is really important and while I think it's really important to hold the tension between two things— I'm not saying that all things are excusable. I'm not saying that all things are what we should be doing. And on that, I fall back on what Paul wrote, where he says all things are lawful, but not all things build up. Mm -hmm. Right? So with both and, with the fact that we're justified by grace, yes, everything is lawful. God still loves, and I'm going to say this out loud and I hate it, God still loves the shooters. Mm -hmm. And... That is an unacceptable choice for someone who is trying to live a life inspired by Jesus Christ. And so we have to find the way to hold accountability and at the same time understand the both-and tension. I mean, the Lutheran Lingo podcast just delved into contemporary politics. <laughs> yes, but, it did. But I think that that's where this kind of stuff really meets the road. Right? I think that especially the both-and concept— The rubber meets the road when we're trying to live our faith in the world, when we're trying to say, well, how does our understanding of our theology impact the choices that we make in a day-to-day living in our lives? Mm -hmm. And that entire concept of being two things at once and wrestling with that and allowing it to be something within us, it's critical, I think, in finding our way through in our contemporary culture and in the given situation. And it's uncomfortable. It's really uncomfortable and really difficult to find our way through. And. <laughs> <laughs> both and. And it is really important that we find our way to do it.
1: Man, see, I was going for a much lighter
0: version of,
1: <laughs> are you excited about your trip or are you nervous that something's going to happen? I'm both and.
0: <laughs> I am nervous excited. Exactly. Totally. It can be as simple as that, Right. And mm-hmm. it can be as complex. Also, I think that people pick up from me this thing where I have, you know, in the same way that I've been trying to not say sorry for things, I have tried really hard to no longer say but. Oh. Like, I'm tired, but I still have work to do. Because when you say the word but, it negates it. And it almost makes it an either or. Either I'm tired or I have work to do. And I've worked really hard in the last five, ten years to make that an and I'm really tired and I have work to do Mm -hmm. because then that honors that I am tired Mm -hmm. and recognizes I still have to do the work. And so it holds that tension more. So you hear and from me a lot. I like it. And that has been something again, inspired by my exceedingly wise best friend who called me on that a long time ago.
1: Excellent. Excellent. All right, I'm going to lob you a softball for the last question. What's the easiest both and that you come across?
0: Um, I am both a Lutheran pastor and someone who enjoys playing Dungeons and Dragons with her husband and friends. Nice. There's one. Which, in some generations, that would have been a big conflict sure I mean, you could do any others you could say i am both a lutheran pastor and someone who enjoys skating with roller derby oh yeah Your i am both a lutheran long pastor <laughs> and a wife you know you can really you can play with that excellent <laughs> i have one more oh my i am both a knitter and a crocheter
1: oh that's a good one
0: <laughs>
1: because there's often a line that shall not be crossed that's right I love it. I'm hoping to be that myself someday. Well, thank you, Pastor Amanda, for taking the time to help us learn a little more about some Lutheran lingo.
0: I look forward to sitting down with you another day on another topic. As do I. And thank you for joining us on this topic that went a very different direction than I think perhaps we had guessed it would. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for the opportunity to speak. And if you have comments, thoughts, if you want to share your both and existences in your life, or if you would like to talk a little bit more about the sacredness of communion, feel free to contact us. You can find us on Facebook. You can email us at podcast at centralportland.org. You can also leave us a review on iTunes. It would be great to hear from you. Until we are back in your ears again, remember, God loves you no matter what.